Welcome to The Art of Badassery, where I explore what it takes to live life on your own terms, break free from the status quo, and unleash your inner badass. Whether you're a rebel at heart or simply seeking inspiration to step outside your comfort zone, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and each week I dive into the stories, insights, and strategies of those who have mastered the art of badassery and are living life to the fullest. They smile when no one is looking. Deborah White, welcome, welcome to The Art of Badassery. I am so thrilled to have you as a guest today. How are you? Oh, thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm excited to be a part of this movement of badassery. You're so funny. It, it's fun, isn't it? It's so much. It is. It's fun to say, too, I'm going to say. You know what's really interesting is that there's a generation that views the word badass or badassery. Well, badassery is not even a real word, but that view the word badass as a swear word. And mm-hmm. it just isn't to me. So I'm chit-chatting, chit-chatting, and I, I record something and put it on Instagram, and it's completely bleeped out. And <laughs> that's crazy. And I, I offered, I did something for someone here locally, and they said, Ooh, like they, they literally cringed when I said it. And she goes, I'm not sure you should say that. And for a split second, I thought, oh, my God, I didn't mean to offend her. And then I went, Mahara, you're badass. It's not a swear word. Stand up for yourself. And I said, oh, I'm sorry you don't like it. No, I love that word. It's actually part of my, it's just, it's part of my shtick. My superpower. <laughs> it's part of my superpower. <laughs> Lots of fun. So, um, Deborah, I would love to open this conversation with a little bit of a reminder of um who you are and what you do and yeah. first question I'm going to invite you to add, answer once you've given us a bit of background is why you feel you're badass oh I love that question why I feel I'm badass well I can give you that uh in and it kind of goes along with what it is that I do for a living so I feel like I'm badass because I'm not afraid to talk about end of life. I'm not afraid to talk about death. I'm not afraid to talk about dying. I'm not afraid to have the hard conversations around, yeah, around planning your end of life experience. Mm -hmm. So your actual title is what? My actual title is that I'm an end of life educator and doula. Mm -hmm. It's okay. You got to explain that a little (laughs) bit. I know. Yes, I know. And really, I mean, it can be a conversation stopper. But the truth of the matter is, is the end of life doula education and doula realm is really all about empowering and advocating and supporting and of course, educating really um, everyone to design their badass end of life experience, right? Like we all, yeah, yeah. It's about about participation. It's about participating and um, planning your own unique end of life experience. Mm -hmm. How did you get into that? How did I get into that? Oh, that's such a great, that's such a great question. I got into that after having to make end of life decisions for my husband 10 years ago. So I was the decision maker to remove my husband from life support after his brain died after a heart attack, a few days after his heart attacks. Yeah. And so living with those, the ramifications of those decisions, I have always believed and still believe that I made the right ones, 
but because we hadn't had those conversations or he hadn't articulated what his wishes were, there is always that seed of doubt. And I live with that. Did I make the right decisions for him? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I'm so sorry that you had that experience, but I'm so proud of you for taking that type of a tragedy and turning mm -hmm. it into your life's work. What I'm curious though, what has the reaction been from friends and family that this is now what you're doing? Because to me, a death doula is, it's, it's an interesting term. I've only ever thought of a doula when bringing life into the That's world. That's it. That's it. You know, I do often get asked whether or not I find this line of work depressing. And actually the opposite is true. The opposite is true. And, you know, first of all, the best time to do end of life planning is while you're still healthy. So the goal is, is the same, you know, the best time to plan your will or the best time to make decisions for yourself and what you'd like to have happen is while you're still healthy. So not every one of my conversations are with people who have serious illnesses or terminal diagnoses. But of course, a great part of what I do is with people who have are living on the palliative care spectrum or are living with um, a terminal diagnosis and are planning their end of life. And it is as sacred as planning for a birth. It's interesting that you bring that up when you're talking about a birth doula, because it's a perfect analogy because we think about all of the things that happen in preparation for a baby being born. And just imagine if you were diagnosed pregnant. So you received a diagnosis of pregnancy, and then you spent the next nine months trying to prevent it from happening. There's still hope. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? And truthfully, what happens when you're diagnosed pregnant is that you spend the next nine months, because there's an expectation of, you know, how long the trajectory will be that you will have this uh, diagnosis. And most people, it's around 40 weeks. Some people are shorter, some people are longer, but you also know what the expectation is. And you hope for the best, but you also can prepare for the worst. And so that is exactly what end-of-life planning is. So we may not know what our diagnosis is or what's going to eventually cause the end of our life or cause our death. The reality is we all know that it, there will be something. So specifically for people who do receive a diagnosis, it's important to understand the trajectory and plan for the best case scenario, but also be aware that there's some pitfalls that may come in. So that's where a doula comes in. We help you navigate and personalize um, and plan for the trajectory. You know, also taking into concern, you know, culture, diversity, gender, you know, it all comes into play. And really, death is an ordinary and natural part. It's what we signed up for when we were born. We signed up for that. Mm -hmm. I love the way that you explain that. And I want to thank you for doing that, because I can see just in that little explanation, like, wow, we may not want it. Mm -hmm. We may be ready for it. We may not. But it is coming. It is coming. And the idea of having someone to hold your hand and to navigate it and yes. to know that what you're feeling is okay and you're allowed yeah. to have, you're also allowed to have other feelings, like whatever it is that you need to have, you know, you've created a space for that. And that's what I love about the coaching 
world in general, and you and I are both coaches. I'm curious though, Deborah, what have you learned about yourself as a coach now that you are in this specific business and your clients are quite different from what you may have been used to in the past before you stepped into this role? Oh, I've learned the same thing about myself as a coach as I've learned about people is that we can do hard things. We can do hard things. People, you know, the body knows how to die. The body knows what to do to die. It's our heart and our minds that don't know what to do to die. And me as a doula and as a coach, oftentimes, you know, um, it's about having the courage to show up, to have the tough conversations, to have the, because that which people are thinking about, if they're, if they're not asked and invited to, to share what it is their deepest fears or what their beliefs are or what their values are, if they're not invited to share those, um, then they may not have a good death, you know, then they may not. So I'd say that's the biggest thing. People are already thinking about it and people can do hard things, including die and me as a coach to show up for them and have the courage to have some courageous but tender conversations is a is a skill wow so as you were saying that I couldn't help but see the parallels that because I could just as easily say wow people want to live yeah or if I can show up and have the courage to ask them the tough questions to help them feel their feelings they can live their life yes right whether the life is another two weeks or another two decades so I love the parallels that I'm seeing between what it is that we do. The results are the same in and amongst a reality that's different. One person passes, one person continues to live. But what we do on that journey is very similar. And validating, Mahara, and validating that to, to the people that it's okay to want what you want. It's okay to have the goals that you have, that you have and it's okay to move in the direction of what it is that you desire most. It's really, as a coach, what we do is validate, you know, valid. we're curious validators. I want a t-shirt that says that. Yeah, curious validators, yes. Validator. So um, I'm really, this, this, I can't wait to hear what you say, what you say to this one. And by the way, everyone, I've actually known Deborah for about 15 years. She was my coach when I joined a uh, global company and I credit her with teaching me how to ask the tough questions. Oh, thank I you. Say, there was a time when I, and I know you'll remember this, Deborah, when I would, when I said to you, can you just tell me what I should say next? Cause I'm just tell me what I should say. <laughs> and grace and patience. You just said, Oh, Mahara, just, just trust yourself. Um, so I just want to say thank you because oh, you're welcome ago was the beginning of the career that I'm in today but I digress I would love to know if you had to name your superpower Mm. what would it be I'm going to first before I name it I'm going to talk a little bit about how it is a skill that I have honed it is through practice and mindful learning about it and it is compassionate empathic listening so even in your story that you talked about because I find that often people do get lost and I don't know what to say next 
And truthfully, when somebody says that to me, that is a cue that you have stopped listening. If you're worrying already about what to say next, that's your signal that you've stopped listening. So it's something that I really work on is uh, first having that open and compassion because we're all, you know, we're all struggling to some extent, you know, with self-worth or feelings of lack or anxiety or, you know, and coming at it with a, hey, I got that too. <laughs> you know, that's the compassion, the understanding that those emotions are all a part of the human experience and truly listening to what it is that the, that the person who's talking to me is, is the most important because they're going to let you know what's the most important to them. And you might miss it if you're worrying about what to say next. Oh my God, that's so powerful. I'm, I'm wondering though, how do you stop yourself? Because I've struggled with this. How do you mm-hmm. stop from jumping into their story? Mm. I'm going, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And, you know, and, and sort of, how do you stop yourself from that? Because I think that I can see that would, could be a challenge. It has been for me. Yeah, sometimes it is about the validation. Um, I have a friend of mine who talked about shish woo therapy. Have you ever heard of that? Shish woo therapy is just when somebody's telling their story, you go, sheesh. Oof. I love and it. That gives them the space to keep talking. So I really employ shish woo a lot. Shish woo and somebody's telling a, a really tough story. Shish woo is 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 appropriate. And it's an invitation to also share more. So instead of worrying about what to say next or what the right question is, sometimes um, sometimes words are too much, even I'm sorry, because that sets up a, you know, that kind of sets up a dynamic of hierarchy can be sometimes, you know, like, don't feel sorry for me or, oh yeah, okay, now it's about you because I'm telling you that I'm sorry for you and for your loss or anything like that. But just even like, whew, Wow. So it's like just a just an acknowledgement mm. without adjoining forces, so to speak. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure within your case specifically, you hear some really tough stories. I do. I do. What's the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to you in your experience as a death doula? Mm. Gosh, there's so many, there are so many. Um, and I would say the most, it's the, it's the openness and the gratitude and the relief that I can see on some of my clients' faces. You know, I can tell you a story about a gentleman that I've accompanied um, who was estranged from his family. He hadn't seen his two children in over 30 years. And I was accompanying him on his on his deathbed and deathbed, but not actively dying. It was the last few weeks of his life. And we really just talked about, you know, like uh, I talked to him about sending a, a love letter to his sons prior to passing. And he agreed to uh, write the love letter, but he wanted me to send them after he died, after his passing. And through, you know, working with him every day, we did get to a point where he thought it was the right decision for him to send before he passed. So I copied them and I emailed his sons since he still knew where they were. 
and one of them came. One of them came the day before he died. And when uh, this gentleman was no longer really actively awake a lot of the time, but when his son walked in, uh, he grabbed him around the neck. The father grabbed his son around the neck and pulled him close and said, I love you, I love you, I love you, and let him go. And the, and the son left shortly thereafter. The father was still alive, but the father died about, he died about two, three hours later. And the son called me to say, I don't even think he knew who I was. And my response was, gosh, I haven't talked to your dad in four days. You know, he's been mostly sleeping and non-communicative. So you coming in, that was the last words and act that he was given. And so I would say that was impactful for me, right? That was impactful for me, really showed me that people do know at the end of life. And in the end, all that matters is love. All that stuff that they hadn't seen or done was um, made okay by those final words of love. What a beautiful story brought to mm -hmm. you. It's so true. And what I know from the clients that I have is we're all looking for love. You're right. Mm, connection and love. Yeah. Know that we belong, that we matter, that, that we are able to love, that we are, that we can feel love. We can give it, we can receive it. And yet yeah. all of the reasons that make us human, that's not always easy. Well, yeah. And I think a lot of people look for resolution, right? Having their, their, their conflicts resolved and most times that's not possible because we each have differing views about what is right but what resolution may not always be possible but what is possible is bringing your relationship into the most current status so when I think of that I think of this gentleman and his son and their conflict was never resolved but by the time he passed their relationship was current all had been said you know, so it is really about, it is really about love. Resolution's not the goal. Yeah. Or doesn't have to be. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. I'm sorry. You have proven yourself to be badass like seven times over. <laughs> because what I'm, what I'm seeing is the strength and the courage it takes to face that most of us run away from death mm -hmm. and you're running towards it in a way, right? I'm here. Yeah. And I think that's really beautiful. I think it's so missing in our culture. Yeah, death is pretty random, though. Hey, death is random. And I, I can say, you know, if you even look at this time of, of COVID, where millions and millions of people have died um, from this horrific virus. And yet when it's your brother, your sister, your mother, you know, it feels personal. So while death is random, when it happens to you, it's personal. And so lots of people are dying of cancer. Lots of people die of heart disease. Lots of people die of, you know, there's so many things that people can die of. But when it's your loved one or you, that's when it's, that's when it's hard. And wouldn't it, isn't it great to have help with that hard stuff? Yeah. It absolutely is. It is. That's why it's why we do what we do is recognizing that yeah. we all need help. We all need to feel that we belong. And, you know, part of what I, what I experience with my clients is my clients already know all the answers. They've just, for the most part, forgotten. 
and or they don't know they have permission to say it well exactly yeah or they, they they're waiting to be given permission so you know what i do is create and i know you do as well is create this beautiful safe um container where they can be themselves where they are given permission to go well tell me how you feel no 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 don't bother mm -hmm. me. i want you to tell me you can't tell me again and i'm sorry can you tell me again a little louder because we have feelings for a reason right we're spiritual beings yeah human existence and the beauty of a human existence is that you have all of these feelings that can help you to navigate your journey what happens to so many of us along the way though is that we get caught in the feeling or we um we attach a, a value to that feeling that is mm. either dated or just not true so yeah we are in our you know in one sense of it our own worst enemies but when we are willing to be brave and courageous and speak our truth and ask for help then amazing things can happen so um i know and i'll share this with the listeners you have been wow so instrumental in helping me navigate my mother's um journey my mom is still with us she's 97 years old and about a year and a half ago her dementia became dementia became quite evident and it was tough because i struggled with feelings of guilt that she wasn't the mom that I needed. In fact, mm. I didn't know she was. And man, did I get angry at her? Mm. How dare you get old and lose your memory? And then I was angry at myself for even having that thought. And I'm like, I can't tell anybody. I can't tell my brothers and sisters I think that. Like, what a terrible daughter. And mm. you were so gracious in talking me through and just helping me sort of to understand that my feelings were normal. And my mom needed me now in a completely different wow, my mom needs me now in a completely different way than she has before. And that's okay. It's totally okay. So I'm just saying here on air for everyone to know that I thank you. And I don't think I would have navigated it quite as smoothly without your help. So I just want to say thanks for that. Well, you're welcome. And you can do tough things. And you are. You're doing a great job. I could do a great job. Oh, my goodness. I feel like I need a fan. So what else would you like to tell the world about what it is that you do? What's something um, you think is going to be a surprise to us about your role? Something that I think would be a surprise. I think I said it at the beginning that the best time to plan the end of your life is while you're still healthy. Okay. Speaking of that, <laughs> those of you that are listening um, in the show notes, I will have all of Deborah's contact information because she's right. The best time to plan for either your passing or that of a loved one is now, not yeah. so now when you're in the throes of an emotional upheaval. And I would say also, I mean, planning is one thing, but also practicing talking about it so that if and when something does happen, your circle are ready and know how to help and support without having to try to guess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So planning is one thing. Having the conversations with your circle is number two. So what would that, I, my interest is really peaked now. Are you, are, am I hearing you correctly in that you think it's a good idea for us to say to our family at dinner, for example? Yes. Hey guys, just so you know, I've been thinking about what it is that I'd like my end of life to look like. Mm-hmm. 
no, I'm not ill. There's nothing wrong with me. Nobody needs to get upset. That's right. We've spent years talking about what it is that we want as we go through our life. And this is just another opportunity for that. So are you guys ready? Do you want to hear about what I, how I'm thinking I'd like things to go? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you know, you know, dignity is important to me, right? You know, dignity is important to me. So some of the things that I worry about and that I want to help you make decisions around is if my, if cleanliness is an issue for me, if I'm not able to be kept clean, that that would impact my will to want to, to live at this juncture as a healthy person. What do you guys think about that? So if I'm laying in a hospital bed and you have to make a decision because I will no longer be able to feed or toilet myself, you have permission to remove the plug. Mom, do we really need to talk about this? Of course, right? It's just like having the sex talk, right? It's having the sex talk. It's having the finance talk. It's having the death talk. You have my permission to remove the plug when these things happen. My mind is blown. Mm -hmm. how easy you made that seem and I, I think right, the more we talk about anything the easier it becomes right so and dignity and burden are really big things and people healthy people specifically struggle around the toileting issue they struggle around their dignity they struggle around feeling a burden to others which would really open up the conversation I had a conversation with my son and I've said that same thing to him I don't want to be a burden to you and he goes oh mom that's all I want you to be my house is going to have a place for you. So I just, it was a really a, a unique opportunity. And I will tell you, my other son would be like, no, you're not going to be a burden to me. You will, your butt will be in the advanced care home. It'll be close to me so I could visit you, but you will not be in my home. So it really was a, an interesting and open conversation to even have with my own children to, to know that there's, that they had such differing ideas about where and what they would like for me you know? And my older son was like, mom, you're such a social person. You would love to play bingo down in, in the room with all of those people. That's why I had put you there. And my other son would be like, no, I want you close to me. So it was a good conversation. You know, it just was, it was interesting. Good for you. Good for you. Congratulations on doing that. <laughs> all joking aside, Deborah, it's so important the work that you do and you are absolutely badass for jumping in, listening to the calling that you had, recognizing what your superpower was and then studying up on it. So it really became a superpower. And mm -hmm. so I've been touched by your coaching and just by your friendship, myself included. Likewise, Mahara, I value, I value your skill set and your friendship beyond measure. Um, for those of you listening, I am, as I said, going to drop Deborah's contact information in but Debbie can you just say out loud um, your website or the best way for people to contact you to find out more of course of course um, so my website and business is called soulful departures so soulful full with two l's um, and the best way to contact me is through my website I do have some social media presence um yeah wonderful well once again I want to thank you for joining me in this conversation today I've loved every second of it and I know that we're going to get some great feedback from it. So those of you that are listening, we'd love to, if you've got any questions or thoughts or comments or feedback on the conversation today with Deborah White, an end-of-life educator and doula, please do um, type it out below or send us a message because we'd love to hear from you. My name is Mahara. You've been listening to The Art of Badassery with my special guest, Deborah White. Bye for now.
Thank you for tuning in to The Art of Badassery. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights to help unleash your inner badass. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave a rating or review on your favorite platform. Your feedback not only helps me improve the show, but it also helps others like yourself discover the podcast. Until next time, keep embracing your authenticity and living life on your terms. Here's to you. Thank you.